Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another session of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB in studio and nicely air-conditioned out there in the sun in Chicago. You can see him. Get your notepads ready, folks. Don Cooper, pitching coach for the White Sox. Don, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we're going to have a great day talking pitching, talking about specific players, talking about everything baseball, folks. So get in line and join the conversation. That way I just get to hang out and watch. The MLB Fans app is the way you want to do that. Fire that up and get your device uh, working so that you can talk to Don. Or the hashtag is Chatting Cage, and I will read your question as best that I can while we wait for you to get your device fired up. I'm going to go to the MLB Fans app now because I'd like to find these things out about coaches. SanFran92 wants to know, Don. Who's your baseball mentor growing up? Oh, you know, baseball mentor. You know, listen, I, I was a big fan of Tom Seaver growing up. You know, I grew up in New York City, so, you know, he was my hero. And I used to cut school to go watch him pitch if I had to. And I wouldn't leave the stadium until he was out of the game. I would basically go down there, and this is only an old Shea Stadium. I'd watch him warm up. Uh, from up above, as close as I could get, I'd walk in with him after he was done walking, uh, walking in to get started the game, and I wouldn't leave until he was out. And I tried to race home uh, to watch Kiner's corner to hear what he said because the things that he said at that time for me were gold. And uh, I always would look in the paper the next day. I never was interested in, in, in the writer's opinions. I was more interested in the quotes and what he was saying. And uh, he was that important to me. That's the player. I, I, I had another mentor when I f- entered pro ball and got a, I signed with the New York Yankees. And uh, the pitching coach that I met, his name was Sammy Ellis. And he just recently passed away last year. Uh, but this guy was the best mechanical pitching coach that I've ever been around and uh, everything, I stole everything from him. I plagiarized (laughs) everything from him. Um, And it's the stuff we've been doing with the White Sox for the last 30 years. Um, I go to my grave with the stuff that I learned from him. Um, You know, I think I've taken it further. I've worked it further and, you know, like I said, I know this is the stuff that works. And I've kind of had my own laboratory in the White Sox organization for the last 30 years to uh, find out that it works. For, it works. It's good stuff. And uh, the basic thing is, in a real short uh, answer, uh-huh. stay tall, stay back, and stay closed. <laughs> Those are the three things that any pitcher needs to do. And, uh, you know, I- I'm sorry to lose him because even uh, up until last year prior to his passing away, I would call him, bend his ear, uh, wow. ask him, I'd tell him to look at somebody, tell him what he, tell me what he sees. But uh, he was my, he was my true mentor in yeah. as far as uh, learning and being able to teach pitching. Oh, that's fantastic! Thanks uh, for that, Don. Getting to know a little insight about how your game works and how you think. Getting that from Seaver and Ellis, most importantly. That's a great thing. Uh, another fan, Foyne jo- uh, just joins us here in the cage. Uh, what's your name? What's your question for Don? Hi, my name is Leo. And my question is, what do you think is the key for Jose Quintana to get back on track? You know, I think he is back on track. You know, know, when a guy, any pitcher, whether it be Jose Quintana or any pitcher, when they're going good, you know, the common denominator is they're throwing quality strikes, quality locations. And when things aren't going so good, that location is not quite there. You know, and... uh, you know, it seems like Jose, th- there's been a lot of games he's pitched well, and some games he hasn't. And the games he hasn't, it's been the location, you know, and, and specifically, 
it's, it was a way to right-handed hitters that we wanted to be away and stay away that the ball would cut back over the plate. And those are the ones that he, he'd been getting burnt on. Uh, but listen, Jose Quintana, if you look at his track record, uh, his poor games are few and far between. He just pitched yesterday and pitched outstanding. And uh, we're expecting, I think we've all been trained that he's a, a quality start machine and, uh, <laughs> and keeps us in ball games, goes deep into the games. And, you know, when, when that doesn't happen, everybody's alarmed. And we just kept working. You know, we just kept getting after it and keep working on quality strikes in the bullpen. He's a tireless worker. He's always prepared. And, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite guys that I've ever had. Uh, thank you, Fan, for that question. And uh, thanks, Don, for breaking it down, talking about Quintana. The machine, the quality start machine that he is. That's how it works, folks. Get your device fired up. Talk to Don directly, like this fan right here. What's your name? What's your question for Don? Hey there, my name is Frank Coop. Thank you for your years of service, and welcome back to Chicago. Seems like you've been on the road all year. My question for you is, uh, you've coached so many great pitchers over the years that have now retired. Have you or the organization thought about bringing him back as a special assistant similar to Tomei or as a coach in the minors? Tomorrow is Mark Burley Day, and I'm looking forward to that. I've been looking forward to it for a while. In my 30 years in the organization, uh, there's been nobody more important than Mark, Mark Burley as a pitcher. Uh, not the most gifted guy. I think Chris Sale was the most gifted and talented guy. Uh, Mark Burley dominated games by hitting the glove, changing speeds, and, and locating with movement. Uh, Chris did it a little more sexy. You know, he would strike a lot of guys out. But it just goes to show you that you don't have to throw 95, 6, and 7 to be a major league pitcher. Um, getting back to your question, I'm sure uh, if Mark is interested in uh, try getting away from time to time uh, from his retirement with his family, I'm sure he's enjoying that. He'd be welcome with open arms. That's, that's certainly one guy uh, that I'm sure that the organization would be uh, interested in having him come back, you know, as a guest in spring training and, and kind of springboarding from there. But I'm not sure he's ready. You know, I haven't talked to him about that. <laughs> I have talked to him uh, two years ago fooling around. Uh, could you go out in the backyard and play catch with his son, Braden, who's going to be singing the national anthem tomorrow? Oh, and if he felt good, continue to throw, and maybe we'll bring him back. Uh, uh, we, could, we could use him. He, you know, he was a very, very steady guy. You know, uh, you know, for all of the years that Mark Burley pitched 200 innings in a row, let me say, when you see a guy pitch 200 innings in a row for four, five, six, uh, and more, and he did more, he did 12, I think, you got to be a stud, not only physically, uh, you got to be a stud because to stay that long and the quality starts, he, to get all those innings, you got to stay in the game a long time to amass those innings. <laughs> but the workload, the physical uh, challenge, challenge that that is for any starting pitcher to go that long with that many innings, there's a big value in that to any organization. And certainly it was a big value to the White Sox. But he was also a big value to me because he taught me things. I watched. I, I now everything that he did and how he did it, even at 88 miles an hour when he was in his prime, he hit 90 here and there. But the big number we saw was 88 miles an hour. Yeah. And then he went down after that. His velocity went down after that. And it was a seamless transition because he never relied on velocity to be good. Again, it was uh, location, movement, changing speeds that made him good. And he continued to do that. Um, you know, so. He, he's a guy that all of the things uh, that he did, 
we try to instill uh, with all of the pitchers, mm-hmm. especially the lefties that we have, whether that be Sale, John Danks, Quintana, Rodon, you know. So he was invaluable to me. Well, that's uh, so I want to follow up a little bit on that. It's the EDJ question of the day for you, Coop. So you talked about his skill set and that he had to work. For you as a coach, how was it coaching Mark Burley? It was easy. It was easy because basically he was so reliable. And, uh, you know, you could count on him every five days to go out there and carry the bulk of the load. You know, and that's always been part of the job description of a White Sox pitcher, to go out there and carry most of the game, which is six, seven, eight, sometimes nine innings. I mean, he's got no hitters. He's got perfect games. He's, he pitched in the playoffs World Series. Um, you know, it, but to, to be able to have a guy that you know every five days is going to go out there and take care of business, um, it lessens the load, you know, and, and people told me when I first got the job, oh, I can just sit back, relax, and just watch him go. It turned out that those were the, the, the games that I was a little bit higher strung because we had a chance to win every <laughs> single time he went out there. You know, I, I've always said this about him. He's got you know, about a 625 winning percentage, so we had a you know, better than 6 out of 10 chance mm-hmm. to win that game. Um, you knew he was going to pitch innings. And, uh, again, value to that. And it was probably going to be about a two-hour, ten-minute game, you know, because he worked so quickly. And those was just some of the things. I have many other thoughts and many other stories uh-huh. about him. Uh, you know, he was the guy – I've never had a pitcher longer than him. You know, he was with us ten years. And I also saw him in the minor leagues before – he came up, and before I came up and got to be his pitching coach, he's probably the first, the, the, the number one guy that enabled me to be a pitching coach uh, and keep my job because he was so reliable. <laughs> Excellent answer to that. Great to see those insights, understand that. He was easily reliable, but that meant uh, you were under a little extra stress because you guys were pretty much in it every single time. Uh, this is Don Cooper, folks, taking your questions, so get your fans app fired up and join us like this fan. What's your name? What's your question for Coop? My name is Jack Pincel, and how do pitchers generate their power? You know what? Listen, everybody sees the game at 7 o'clock. They don't get to see what the pitchers are doing at 12 o'clock every day. Their workload and how they work out, I mean, it's you'd be tired just watching them and following them around. Uh, so that's certainly, you being in the best top shape, physical shape you can be. You know, we do a good amount of throwing, um, you know, but their legs, their, their legs, the ride to the plate, their arm strength. And, you know, we have programs for their elbows. We have programs for their shoulders. We have programs for every muscle in their body. And they really pay the price to be good. There's a price... There's a price to be paid for success. You know, you have to work hard to get the success you're looking for. And I don't know any other organization because I've never been with anybody else. But I'd match the work that we put in with anybody else in baseball. Our guys, uh, they pay the price for the success they're looking for. Uh, It's important for the young fans to understand that, too. It's a big key. Thanks for that, Coop. I go back to the MLB Fans app. A lot of questions coming in from... Obviously, people who are either young pitchers right now or who are coaching young pitchers, so I'm going to sort of summarize it in this one from Statics. I've had my pitching coach emphasize the mental importance of pitching. How much do you emphasize that with your pitchers, and how do you do that? Well, at the major league level, you know, everybody here is good, but it's the guys that can focus and commit. 
Now listen, you could be the strongest mental guy in the world, but if your delivery is bad, it's not going to match up. The guys here, these are the top guys on the planet, you know, uh, that come to the major leagues. And But being able to focus, commit, and have uh, conviction behind each pitch. There's only two days a week that you can practice that. That's their practice day in the bullpen, their sideline, depending on what day they do it. We have our starters, some guys go day two, some guys go day three. But whether you're a starter or a reliever, if you're not in the moment and able, and I'm talking about it might be the bases loaded in the World Series. You know, those are the huge moments. But every moment is big. Uh, you've got to be able to focus and commit at the task at hand, and that's that individual pitch. Baseball to me and pitching to me is always a game of next. Mm -hmm. Focus for this pitch. Okay, let's see if you can make it. Mm -hmm. uh, but without the focus and commitment and conviction, the pitch becomes 50-50 whether mm. you make it or not. <laughs> you can get a beer vendor to, to, to give you 50-50. <laughs> At the major league level, you got to be better than 50-50, you know. Um, you got to be higher. And, and, again, the focus and commitment. And that's, uh, you know, that's in the tightest moments. But, again, the bullpen is the only time they get to do that in the yeah. game itself. Uh, so I, I, every time we have a work, like, work day, yeah, we're working on all of their pitches, but we're really working on focus. And we're challenging them. And every time they're out there practicing, it's a, cha it's a chance to get mm -hmm. better. Pitching is a learned skill. Uh, and it takes time to learn those skills. But the bullpens are important because if you're just throwing the ball without any specific thought on where and what, uh, you're not getting the most out of it. You know, you, you, that, that's the time that we do to try to, you know, it's, we, yep. we make it a game. We make it fun game. And we challenge ourselves to see how, for instance, hey, throw, let's see how many down the way you can throw right now, righty to a righty or a lefty to a lefty. How many can you nail mm -hmm. down and away, you know, and out of five? And so we, we, we challenge them. And when, I, when you make it a game or challenge athletes, uh, the focus picks up because they want to be good at this game. They yeah. want to win at the game that we're playing out there. So, you know, that. Th the guys that can focus and think on their feet in the biggest and toughest moments, you see them here. Uh, they're the best. Yep. You know, another thing I'll say is this, and it may not relate exactly to the question. The best pitchers that I've ever seen pitch for me, the White Sox, and or any team that's come in and pitched against us. Uh -huh. Forget about velocity. Forget about stuff. You have what you have. Uh, it's the guys that can fill up the zone. Uh, with strikes. Yeah. You know, when you see a game that's dominated, uh, you know, let's say a guy throws 100 pitches in a nine-inning game, for argument's sake. Well, you know, about 70 of those pitches are strikes, yeah. and, and 30 might be balls. Um, we, we encourage uh, to attack. Yep. Attack with the first three pitches, either to get contact or get ahead. And if they don't hit it, well, now we're ahead 0-2-1-2, <laughs> and we should have the guy by the neck. Yep. You know, so... That's just numbers. Listen, I think a lot of people try to make it way, way too complicated and scientific. <laughs> you got to throw the ball over the plate. You got to throw strikes and hopefully quality strikes with yep. the catcher setting up. You know, you got to be down when you want to be down. You got to in on a guy's hands when you want to get in on his hands. Because if you're, if you're down and missing below or in missing in, you're eliminating the stuff that, uh, you know, ends up on a, a MLB or e, e, the highlights every night. <laughs> That's right. That's where they hit the ball, you know. So we're trying to, and again, focus and commitment and practice yep. and working on those things. I mean, 
you can't just sit around and think about it. You got to get up and yeah, there's three there's three ways to get better: listening, watching, and doing. You know, um, and I find we do a lot of video work uh -huh. too, and we're showing guys on video. Um, that's that's a, one way to learning visually. You know, certainly I can talk to them. They might learn audibly. Yep. And then, but you still got to go out and practice all that <laughs> stuff. So, you know, it, 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 it's. These guys, again, the workload is put in by these guys is yep. immense. There you go. Listen, watch, do. Guys, that's young pitchers. Pay attention and then practice. Make it as much fun as you can. That seems to be a key right there on, on the discipline part of the mental aspect of it, a big part for young pitchers. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. Fire your device. Join us like this fan right here. What's your name? What's your question for Coop? Hey, my name is Jack, and my question is, what do you think this year has been the best uh, stadium, other than U.S. Cellular, the best ballpark for the White Sox pitchers to pitch in. Hmm. Yeah, you know, listen, most parks now are kind of offensive parks. Mm. Uh, the better pitching parks that are left would be uh, California, the Angel, Angel Stadium at nighttime, uh, Oakland at nighttime. Plus, Oakland has, you know, a lot of foul territory. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of foul balls here that reach the stands are outs in Oakland. Uh, Seattle is a, still a, a fair pitching place. I think uh, Detroit is fairly fair, but Detroit moved the, moved the fences in. We moved the fences in here a while back. You know, uh, yep. if, if you have a good year at U.S. Cellular, if you have a good year with the White Sox, put an asterisk next to it because you're pitching 81 games in, in here, and it's a great hitter's park. Um, but you know what, too? We're, we're looking for guys that can, uh, you know, maybe get some strikeouts here and there, but ground balls because fly balls. Fly balls can leave all stadiums uh, in the American League for sure. I can't speak as much for the National League because I don't see it quite as much. Mm -hmm. But uh, one National League park that we see is uh, is Wrigley Field. And obviously that's a difficult park, especially if the wind is blowing out. Yeah. You know, here in U.S. Cellular, once the weather warms up, heck, I might be able to hit 20 home runs if I got 500 at bats because the ball goes. <laughs> the ball does go, and it's, uh, man, home runs are up, as we know, across the board, so it's challenging pitchers without a doubt, and they are in good hands with you, Coop. Did you have some fun talking to fans today, bud? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, this is, uh, I enjoy talking pitching. It, it, it's kind of <laughs> my passion, and, uh, you know, to answer questions that might be able to help somebody, you know, as a coach, uh, you're looking to serve people, and I'm looking to serve the 13 pitchers I have on my team and anybody else that I might be able to help through some encouragement or uh, words of advice. There you go, man, and you're doing a great job. I know the fans are fired up. I know you got a lot of work to do. We appreciate your time, and fans, as always, I appreciate you making this job so fantastic, making the chatting cage something to listen to. We'll see you on the next round.